It's raining sideways here and everything hurts. Ooh, rain. I wonder what that's like. Uh, painful. It comes like, it doesn't matter what direction you're facing, it comes directly into your eyeball. The rain that oh. hurts your face. I remember it. Yeah. Well. Definitely. It's the rain that hurts your face. Can, can we get some nice photographs of this rain you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> you also have this time of year now when everything gets cold and, you know, miserable-ish in our neck of the woods, but that also means cozy season is well and truly upon us. And we were all cozied up on the couch watching something. And I turned around and our little orange cat, Pumpkin, was sat there and she was just staring at me in her little hammock on the cat tree. And I was literally like, don't move as I very, very silently bring out the phone to take a picture. Don't you dare move. (laughs) Good photo. It, It went well. (laughs) <laughs> she was surveying her kingdom. She is majestic. She's gorgeous. I mean, I, I could take pictures of her all day. She's a very beautiful cat. A thief. She's a thief, <laughs> but she's gorgeous while doing it. Mm. She's very cute and very small and, and very squishy. Kind of skittish, though. She wouldn't, you know, she would, she'd happily sleep on me when I was there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. once I was awake, she was, there was no pets. No pets were allowed. Uh, as, as is the case with cats, the cat chooses you. You yes. don't choose the cat. Exactly. Uh, it was sad. I wanted to pet her, but she said no. <laughs> Which isn't what we'll be talking about today. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Indulgently Minimal. I am Moggy, and I am joined today by Jeff. Hey, up, guys. And Murdoch. Hello, everyone. And jumping off of the camera idea, today we will be talking about the fallacy of the pro, whether we should be just dipping our toes into new concepts or just diving in wallet first and just going straight for the best of everything when you don't even know if you like it. Hmm. For this episode, I'm not wearing socks, so I can toe dip. Um, So just imagine that. Does that visual for everybody there? I don't want that visual, Jeff. I don't want your hobbit feet invading my mind. No, no, uh, they're no, they're no longer Hobbit feet. We've mentioned it before. It's the Castrum Among Us. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> well, then, so how is that digital SLR treating you, Moggy? <laughs> now, I want to say that having a good camera in your phone is amazing. I am taking more pictures. Most of them are of my pets. So it's interesting to me that when I can now take very good photos and I've got some apps to edit them and I'm trying to learn all that, I'm having a lot of fun with that, but I am also realizing that the equipment does not make me a photographer. Mm. Yeah, having all the shiny, I mean, there's, yeah, it doesn't, does not make the man, does not make the professional, all these mm-hmm. cool toys. No, but I'll also say that on the flip side, I do think that especially at the higher end, like cell phone cameras in general across most manufacturers, they are beyond good enough now. Like we have definitely moved beyond the point of most people needing a discrete camera. You know, if you just want to take pictures of your pets, your baby, your whatever, you no longer need to go out and buy a point and click. But I think Mm. also for many people that really wanted good photos of that vacation, they wanted, you know, glamour shots of that baby, I think people that would have otherwise been looking at the low-end DSLR mirrorless type situation, they don't need that anymore either. A good Mm -hmm. phone camera is good enough. It's beyond good enough is what I'm trying to say. You know, for for personal and even semi-professional toe dipping, you know, I'm I'm guessing because the money you'd save on buying the digital camera you can then put into the phone because the phone's more expensive now, but you're not having to buy two devices. So it kind of evens out mm-hmm. in a way, I guess. 
there's a small break in here as well is because the whole thing with just buying the camera is that it's not just the camera. You get your, you know, base body and then you get your selection of lenses and then you need something to edit it on. That's very, yeah, I mean, the phone kind of, whilst it doesn't give you different physical lenses, at least it gives you the in-house editing brief period to do so. It's it's kind of makes, it, it it's much better for toe dipping, as we mm. said. I think it's worth pointing out that for most people, if you really are interested in photography, you know, watch some YouTube videos, maybe find something tailored for your device. But there's a lot of tools on both the default camera and there are plenty of apps that give you more advanced tools that can help you take good photographs. Simple things mm. like enabling the grid, playing with lowering the exposure. You can do that now mm. on cell phones. You can actually change your exposure, which is probably the number one thing you can do to take your cell phone pictures to the next level because most mm. of them no. tend to overexpose. Now, for the audience, definitely not me that doesn't know what that is. What is that? Oh, it's about how much light the sensor takes in. So, uh, okay, okay. It's, I think it's, I correct me if I'm wrong, indulgentlyminimal at gmail.com. It's kind of to do with how long the shutter opens for, so how much light hits the sensor. It goes right back to when oh, photos were like film. Okay. You know. So, like when people, sit, when people do those long exposure photos, that's why there's the big trail of light. Because the sky moves mm -hmm. like ah, some sort ah, of unholy. Yes alliance of celestial well, bodies. Well, I mean, does the sky move or... Do we just move through the sky? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, Copernicus, no. <laughs> Galileo! So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at when you take a phone, particularly on an iPhone, they, the default exposure setting looks to get all the things that are in the shadow, things that are in the dark, looking their best, which means that if you've got like a high contrast photos, lots of bright spots and lots of dark spots, the bright spots end up looking too bright. You get that bloom, that overexposure. So you're supposed mm. to kind of, you know, just take the exposure down a little just so that the things that are in light look correct. And then you head over to some sort of post-processing software. Adobe Lightroom is free and is very usable at the free tier. You don't have to pay for Lightroom. So mm. what you're saying is with this ability to take much better dark photos, mm -hmm. This would have been perfect for spooky season now, but it is now past. But we could see all the creepy goblins that live in the dark. Exactly, exactly. Yes. I would definitely say, like, the fundamentals of photography definitely still apply. And this is probably why it's a good sort of toe-dipping experience rather than diving in headfirst and getting, you know, a professional-grade camera because that is a very expensive buy-in. And it will not make you a good photographer. That is that is a key point. This is it's one of the problems we have with advertising today. It's geared towards making you think that if you buy the pro-grade football shoes or the pro-grade, I don't know. Flipper-flapper from... Flipper-flapper yeah, The flipper-flapper. Flip you, know, you know the flipper-flapper. Of course. Flipper yeah. Well, there's the flipper-flapper and there's the flipper-flapper pro. Well, the Flipper Flapper Pro is if you really want to flip at your best flap. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a heavy buying if you're just flapping. That, that, that signature edition, you know, snowboard. Mm. It's not going to make you a better snowboarder. I mean, it de I think, you know, to talk about what we talked about a while ago with how manipulative advertising is, it kind of, one, it, it hooks into, you know, I want to be the best. But it also hooks into that, there's that element of embarrassment when you're starting out a new thing you don't want people to think that you're new that you're a noob as the kids uh, <laughs> nobody says that anymore but when i was a boy it was the slang 
you, you don't want people to think that you're new, that you don't know what you're doing and yeah. having the most expensive gear at a glance, you go, ah, oh, that guy clearly knows what he's doing. Mm. Oh, the posers, as the previous yeah. era generation would call them. <laughs> we are really dating ourselves with these <laughs> words. Hey, this guy's a phony. He's a phony, everyone. <laughs> I think there's another side to it, though, that I think we can generally get over that embarrassment, especially if you're just a little self-aware of going, it's okay, I'm new, especially like if you're like just a photographer taking things around your neighborhood. Who cares? No one's looking at you. Unless mm. like you're taking pictures of people in their gardens, in which case they might be looking at you and they're looking at you very weird. Hmm. But especially if they've got one of those really high fences that you've still gotten over. That's just, <laughs> I mean, you know, have, have some decency, guys. Come on. Smithers, mm. unleash the hounds. <laughs> but the other one, and I think the one that really affects me the most, and it's a little more insidious, is when you get into a hobby and you're really excited about it, right? And that's an amazing part of when you discover a new hobby or interest mm. is that period of excitement when everything about the hobby is interesting. You spend hours reading articles, watching videos, and you think like, this is it. I have found my calling in life. I am going to be a photographer. So why would you buy a cheap camera that doesn't have all the modern bells and whistles and doesn't have the current tripod stand and doesn't have these lenses that you want? Because I'm going to be the next big photographer. So you think I will future-proof. I will buy maybe not the best thing, but I'm going to buy something that's excellent and it will see me through the hobby and I'll be able to learn, but I'll be learning on the best. It's a really easy fallacy to fall into that the best is what you need to get started and it's just so not the case. It really is because, I mean, there's, I mean, it's true that if you're starting out on a new hobby and you buy the cheapest entry-level thing you can get, you know, you, you know, you get the Walmart or the Tesco or the, or the Argos or whatever, uh, you know, the, the Walmart skateboard. The Walmart skateboard, yes. You know, it's going to break and it's also going to break you. It's, you nobody's <laughs> going to have a good time. Uh, that's that's a difficult one. Like it, it, the, the argument here is that there is definitely a minimum buy-in yeah, because like the, if you get like a, a super cheap option, you're going to be fighting with it so much and you're not going to have fun with it. It's going to hamper any kind of progress you might make. Mm -hmm. And it may turn you away from the hobby, not because you don't like the hobby, but because you just hate what you're using. Yes, the little black box and, you hate. Exactly. And you can confuse the two. And it just, so it can be unfortunate to do that. It's another fallacy to, you know, to go super cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good idea to examine yourself in this. What are your tendencies? Do you go for the best or do you go for the cheapest thing that will get you started? And how is that working out for you? Because you need to find that right balance. And this is where, and I still think the internet is capable of providing this, but hmm. some of the other things that we've unfortunately talked about, the empoopification of Reddit, for example, has made this harder. But there are still great communities out there that as long as you go in and read the rules and don't ask the same question, they've probably answered hundreds of times before without at least searching a little. They will be happy to recommend, oh, this is good for people like you. This is a good starting point. And as long as you can navigate through the people that are like, I've bought my hundredth fountain pen and, you know, you should have all of this stuff just to be interested in the hobby. Ignore those people and go for the, yeah, this is a good place to start and this is a great, those yeah, are wonderful it's, communities. It's another kind of skill to develop to identify gatekeepers. It's difficult to find out um, and see what you're, uh, understand what you're looking at the first time around sometimes. Mm. 
with people gatekeeping hobbies and saying, you need this, you need this, you need this, hmm. as opposed to people saying, if you want to get a good entry level, you might want to look at this, might want to look at that. There is a difference and it can be, if you're new to everything, you may not understand when people are gatekeeping, which is a very unpleasant practice. Hmm. Well, part, part, part of this introduction to hobbies also comes with sort of the ability or developed ability to start interacting with communities around these hobbies. They're usually mm -hmm. very good resources on yeah. what to look at, what to start with. It's it's a skill. It doesn't come easy. And on occasion, even in terms of that like minimum buy-in for the gear that you need, on occasion, you'll find that sometimes the community has found unicorn items mm -hmm. that are really, really good value. And this was something I wanted to cover that kind of helps us move through the topics of today's show. A lot of the minimum buy-in has improved significantly in the last 10, 15 years where the cheap versions of things are no longer significantly inferior and the little computer you carry around in your pocket at all times can now do many, many more things that obviate the need to buy dedicated equipment. For example, if you wanted to learn electric guitar, and especially if you wanted to sound like a particular band or player, often you were looking at expensive guitars, expensive amps, amps that needed to be cranked to high volumes just to sound right. Don't even get started on pedals and multi-effects pedals. It's so complicated. Whereas now you can buy a relatively cheap guitar that is still good. You know, they've done tests on this, like you can build guitars out of plywood and they still sound pretty good. Mm. Electric guitars anyway. Acoustics are a different thing. <laughs> I don't want to play an acoustic made out of plywood. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious too. But, you know, instead of the amp and the effects pedals and the whatnot, you can just get either free software or even check like on Apple, it comes with GarageBand. Every Apple device comes with GarageBand. Windows, there are plenty of free options. You just need a cheap little 20, 30 euro dongle to plug your electric guitar into your computer. Latency is so much more improved now with USB-C mm, and definitely. all the rest of it. And suddenly you have access to all kinds of sounds, all kinds of things with no extra cost. And that to me is amazing. You don't have to spend huge amounts of money to access the sounds that you want and then that those sounds that people say oh just you know play the guitar learn the fundamentals they're not wrong learn the fundamentals but sounding epic while you do it makes it a lot easier to get through that very difficult beginner's phase you know definitely yeah mm. and it's, it's, it's funny like when you're speaking about the fundamentals it's it carries over to every single kind of hobby or skill or interest you've got having those basics down whilst they can be a pain in the butt to learn sometimes and especially with guitar when you're learning out because your fingers are good i mean electric guitar is not so bad because you don't have to press so hard on the on the strings but your fingers are going to hurt it's going to be painful yeah mm -hmm. you have whilst to form you're the exactly it's going to be and you're going to have to do that whilst also doing these repetitive um you know learning your scales learning your uh, chords but the level of access it gives you to the hobby after that is just so vast. It's so worth it. Yeah. Hmm. And it's the same with like photography where, I mean, I don't know much about photography as you may have learned from me not understanding <laughs> what exposure is. I thought that's something you die from outside, but... <laughs> yes, that's true. No, it's um, something that we pay artists in when we want them to course, give us yes. work. Hmm. And sarcasm. Photographers. <laughs> 
But yeah, like with the photography, learning the fundamentals and where to place things, there's a, isn't there like a thing with like thirds or something? Yes, and that's why it's a good idea to enable the grid on your camera app because you can gives you an idea of where to put things. Essentially, try and divide all the major elements in your picture by thirds and it will look better than if you just put the main thing in the middle. Hmm. And yeah, and so if you've learned those basics, you can suddenly, you, pro you can take better photographs on lower quality devices simply because you've got the technique in place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen some like photographs from like, you know, professional photographers and they've done like on a phone camera or a, yeah. um, a Polaroid and they're incredible photos, not because of the quality of the photo, but because of the technique used in taking it. Yeah. And going back to the idea of the guitar, the importance of the fundamentals is really evident there because so many people get into playing music and I'm going to use the guitar because I understand that, but this goes for pretty much any musical instrument whether it be guitar, trumpet, drums, anything. Is mayonnaise an instrument? <laughs> no, Jeff, no. <laughs> the, a lot of people have a goal in mind, and that goal is to sound like Eddie Van Halen, for example. Hmm. And they think that they just need to get there, so they practice those songs. They get the tab, they get the little pictures, and they don't maybe understand without unless they're like drawn through the hobby by people that know, that guitarists like Eddie Van Halen, Kurt Hammett of Metallica, many, many others, spent hours doing quote-unquote boring drills. They practiced their scales. They learned the fundamentals of music theory because when you come to writing epic metal riffs or shredding like a badass, you... Don't do it because like, oh, I'm just so amazing that the sound just comes out of me. Almost nobody is like that. They have spent hours and hours understanding the scales and drilling it so that their fingers can do it without you even thinking about it because it's muscle memory. Hmm. There is a mythical number of about 10,000 hours. I don't yeah. think it's exact, but that's the idea is that it is a long time before you have mastery. Yeah, now, I, this is quite interesting because I have spent more than 10,000 hours walking and I still stub my toe on everything and <laughs> knock into stuff. So I I think it, you know, your, your mileage may vary because I, I've been walking for quite a, a, quite a long period of uh, my life well, and I'm still quite bad at it. Well, maybe the other idea is that it's 10,000 hours of doing the right thing. Do you need a walking mentor, Jeff? Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? You are not wrong, Murdoch. You are not wrong. It is. People say practice makes perfect, but I heard it should be said practice makes permanent. You can mm. practice something wrong. Yes, and it's very, very difficult to get out of your ruts. I mean, I know my piano teacher when I was, when I was younger was very much like that. If you make a mistake, just stop. Take, you know, take a breather and then start again. Don't keep going at it. Don't try again and again and again because you've made a mistake. You need to stop. Because otherwise you risk making the mistake that permanent. mistake. Yeah. Exactly. So it's really important to understand this, that when you're entering a hobby, you don't know if it's for you for a start. We'll talk about this next week, but almost every hobby has a very difficult beginning or at least middle bit where you're not going to be good in the way you want to be and the only way through it is to practice and mm. it's hard and it's okay sometimes to go this hobby isn't for me Ooh, another shiny thing 
understanding these things about yourself can prevent you from buying that $3,000 guitar and going, I am going to be Jimi Hendrix. Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. That's pretty much it. The mentor thing is important. It's important to find somebody who can guide you in the correct way, detect what potential you have, and then work on those issues that need work on. That's difficult to find. A good buy-in point, something you can maybe get from a community surrounding your hobby of interest is definitely a thing. You have other options as well, like renting equipment, just to sort of mm. dip your toes in without so needing yeah, to make a yeah. permanent commitment. I mean, it's something that you see an awful lot. Um, I remember when I was a when I was a wee nipper, when I was <laughs> a young when I was a young tyke, the first instrument I ever started to learn was the clarinet because that was clearly very very cool, <laughs> and that was back when I was like in primary primary school and nobody bought instruments. You didn't buy your seven-year-old or your eight-year-old an instrument that's ridiculous you they're expensive there was, a, there was a whole thing about you rented the instrument or you you rented the instrument for for small periods of time to help you know whilst the child learned the basics yeah. without having to fully financially commit because seven-year-olds don't commit to anything they're seven mm -hmm. yeah and it's a really good point because sometimes you do need access to equipment of a certain quality just because there is this is I'm struggling because there is a point where the cheap stuff isn't good enough. I mean, okay, I've got a really good example, and I'm going to say the one of the the risky words when talking about spending money on hobbies: audiophile. Uh -huh. He said it. He said it. <laughs> run, run. <laughs> you can you see my wallet quivering just, in the corner, like just, no, just don't, no more don't say it. No, don't say it twice more, otherwise they will appear. Oh yes, that's uh, there, there's there's a funny statement regarding you know audiophile gear. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, most people buy you know a nice pair of headphones or want to buy a nice pair of headphones to be able to listen to their music. Audiophiles mm -hmm. are a different breed. They use music to listen to their equipment. <laughs> well, when uh, you spend that much so money true. on it, <laughs> when you spend that much money on it, it changes. And that's another thing: when you spend money on it, it because of the way we are as human beings, it changes our relationship to what we've bought. This is expensive. I therefore have to only put the good music in it. I therefore mm. have to sit down and only enjoy the finest things rather than like, <laughs> silly song, silly crank. <laughs> but no, what I want to say is I've listened to lots of music in lots of different environments and I definitely associate different music with different things. So mm -hmm. heavy metal isn't really something I sit down and listen to, but I like it. And if mm. it's on, I'll listen to it. And I remember I was breaking in a new pair of headphones for work. So I had this DAC hooked up to the computer, not an expensive one, just 30, 40 euro device that was given to me by a very good friend, listener of the show. Hi. And I was plugging my work headphones in. I was listening to different tracks, trying to understand what the headphones were doing, just trying to break in the drivers a little bit. And an excellent classic, Slayer's Rain in Blood, came on. And I heard this song that I'd heard dozens of times at friends' houses, on in the car, and it wasn't until I'd put them on these high-quality headphones through a device that was converting the digital signal into a good-quality analog signal that I realized, oh, there's two guitars in this intro. Hmm. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> now I see, or here, I guess. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you're Daredevil, you might be able to see it with the whole echo location. Are you Daredevil? Hmm. 
I might be. I should go put on a suit and try fighting crime to find out. I'll let you know how it goes. It's <laughs> just uh, it because that's how we get. How that's what we're talking about, right? I'm not going to test things out. I'm not going to go and learn kung jump. fu. I'm just going to jump straight in, like, hey, yeah. let's buy an expensive suit and try fighting crime. <laughs> I mean, a complete side tangent, but surely all because Daredevil he, he, he does the whole thing from echolocation. Certainly, the squeaking from the leather suit would have obscured <laughs> everything because those things squeak and rustle. Well, I think that's why they prefer latex. That mm. also squeaks. Does it? No. Have well, you never worn you, you've worn latex gloves for like science stuff? I mean, I've worn you know, um, maybe, I don't know. I, I've never covered myself head to toe in it. Apparently you have, Jeff. We will talk about this after the show. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but the real question is, are you buying the finest latex gloves for your science experiments? Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, no, I just wanted to make a point with regards to like audiophile territory, audio equipment. Good audio equipment will make a difference where it counts. But there's also an important distinction when it comes down to an excellent set of speakers with an excellent audio setup or an excellent set of headphones. There is a very dangerous sort of like territory of essentially collecting rather than using these items. Yep. Very true, yeah. Which, in and of its right, is a hobby. <laughs> well, it is. Yes, it is. Yes and no. I mean, it, it, it depends. I mean, like, there's collecting things outright to collect them. Mm -hmm. And then there's collecting things by happenstance. Having a collection but not a mindful one is... Mm -hmm. Is it really a collection or is it just a bunch of stuff that you should never have got? <laughs> I think it depends on what it is, how much you're spending on it, and how much you can spend on it. Hmm. There is collecting figurines or something small like that where, you know, you pose them, you collect them, they sit on your shelf. That's one thing, like... That's either for you or it's not for you. Some people like it, some people don't. But mm -hmm. they're relatively cheap, especially like if you're just collecting, you know, the toys that come with Kinder Eggs or something. Mm -hmm. There's That's a difference a... to that than collecting like guitars or expensive fountain pens. Or you rare know, uh, Pokemon cards. Yeah, at a certain point, are you getting these things because, yes, I will play this guitar and it has this particular sound that I'm looking for mm -hmm. and I'm going to use it on my next album? Or is it because you just keep buying guitars because that's what you do now? You see one that Ooh. you want and you get it and now you have a room full of guitars and you play two of them. Yeah. I will add to that, you also have the sunk cost fallacy. Ooh, another fallacy. Another fallacy. On. It's like, because I have invested so much into this selection of guitars and the set of pedals and all of these amplifiers, it, it seems like it would be a waste not mm. trying to continue yeah. to find the perfect guitar. Mm, you know what? You've stumbled onto one of the final thoughts I wanted to have today, which is that it's okay to step away. And again, this is part of the understanding of when you buy things. Yes, higher quality things have a better resale value. That's true, but you've got to be willing to do the work and resell it. Mm -hmm. Cheaper things, especially if they degrade, you may not get your money back. So it's mm. a worthy consideration, but it's okay to go, this isn't for me, mm. and to step away. And uh, it's easier the less you invest, mm -hmm. but you also have to, as you said, be aware that there is that fallacy that we all are at risk of falling into that, oh, I have spent so much on this, therefore I have to stick it out. 
Hmm. Hobbies should be fun and enjoyable. And as we said before, a way to express yourself, a way to express your creativity. And mm -hmm. it's, we won't have to go over that again. We go listen to the episodes about hobbies. We think it's very important. Mm -hmm. no, so if sure. you're not enjoying a hobby, why are you doing it? <laughs> and just to add to that, I think this is also coming into my final thoughts. I am very well aware, I think we've all experienced the buyer's remorse yeah. No. Really? <laughs> no. I still think, I still think, and it's very akin to that, you know, very silly saying of like, better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. <laughs> I think it is very good in terms of exploring, you know, what other hobbies there are. If one doesn't work out for you, great. At least you know that it's not for you and that leaves room for you to explore other hobbies. Murdoch, Murdoch, you're getting dangerously close to the true treasure was the hobbies we made along the way. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 the friends. <laughs> it's the friends it, it is, you made failing at hobbies along the way. <laughs> I'm, now, that's actually a very valid point, especially with group activities. Sometimes like, okay, I, football wasn't for me or yes, I did join that karate class and ow, but <laughs> lifelong friends made along the way. I mean, that what's to complain about except uh, the shattered limbs? Yeah. Well, uh, well, actually, on that point, this podcast, mm. this podcast is an indirect result <laughs> of exploring a potential hobby. Oh, yeah. How did your comic book collection come along in the end? <laughs> well, we don't discuss that, but I made an invaluable friend that day. That's true. I value you too, my friend. I value uh, you too. Thank you. Jeff, Jeff is also Jeff. here. <laughs> I was just about to say, and Jeff, would you like to weigh in? But no, you had to make a crack. This... <sighs> That's Brothers. literally why I'm Brothers. here. <laughs> it is a very fair point with the buyer's remorse that if you don't do that, if you don't make that mistake, you're never going to understand that, oh, this is something I shouldn't do, or, ah, this is something that doesn't make me happy, or this is the mistake I made with this. It's one of those mistakes you want to make. Ideally, you want to make once. But we don't. We make it constantly. <laughs> but We're a work in progress. You don't learn anything from constantly being successful. It's why I'm so wise, because I'm constantly <laughs> making mistakes. Uh, now, now, Jeff. Now, now. I, I, I would go the other direction. This is the reason why you are not wise, because you've never made a mistake in your life and therefore okay. are an empty vessel. Give, 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 him, give him credit where credit's due. I, 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 I don't think I could have said it better. Yeah, no, of course. We joke because we're brothers, but no, you're you're very right. You're very Thank right. You. And can you say that again? You're very right, Jeff. <laughs> and that is now recorded for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> but it's what we're going to talk about next week, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I've. We. I mean. <laughs> we can, oh God. Yeah, we can talk about. I. I've got so much content for next week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just as a teaser, join us again next week because we are going to be talking about one of the strategies through this, about those early phases of trying out a hobby, that it's okay not to be good at something. A and what? <laughs> I know. Preposterous. Well, I, we should be telling people this. Specifically, we should be telling children this. Like, we do teach children to fear failure. We give them exams, make or break. I mean, for the longest time in England, literally, you took an exam at the age of 11 that could basically change the entire course of your life. Hmm. So it was, why it wouldn't was, it, you be afraid it was of this? It was insanity. Yeah. And it's a shame because you can be, talk about it more next week, but you can be really bad at something and still love it. 
Mm, I'm video terrible games. At, yeah, I'm terrible at every paradox game. I love them. <laughs> I'm terrible. I mean, that, I mean, paradox games are an odd example. I don't want to say a bad example, but failure is always a spectacular thing to watch in a paradox game. Like, <laughs> oh boy, this all fell apart very quickly and very interestingly. Let's no. watch. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> mission failed successfully. <laughs> But like a video game, what we were, are hoping to maybe get towards is that if you do things strategically and well, maybe you get that mission complete at the end of it and get something good out of it. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We've been Indulgently Minimal. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. We are on lots of social media, Instagram, Mastodon. So check out the show notes for links to all of that. Any thoughts, questions, or comments, send us an email, indulgentlyminimal at gmail.com. Thanks to all of our supporters on Coffee. We really do appreciate you, and thank you so much for helping us keep making the show. If you want to buy us a coffee over there, it's ko-fi.com forward slash indulgentlyminimal. I've been Moggy, and I've been joined today by Jeff. Thanks, guys. Remember to go easy on yourselves. And Murdoch. And remember, folks, indulge a little. Thanks for joining us. See you for the next one. Bye. Say a lot of guys. Take care, everyone.